All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome. What a pleasure it is to be with you. And I want to, we have a great show, which is, I hope it's going to be a great show, actually. And it's just me and then me and Malka, hopefully Malka and I, talking a little bit about the things that are happening. And a lot is happening more for me, more on the just personal stuff that I'm doing, which is trying to help build the Jewish community of Hebron and going to be going to the United States in about a week and a half and uh, going to be uh, finding support for the renewal of and the renovation of our guest house in Hebron, which we need very much, a place for people to sleep in Hebron. So we have a guest house that we're renovating right now. It's going to have 60 beds. And I'm very excited about that trip. It's going to be a short trip to America. And also I'm going to be doing a big emceeing of a fundraiser for Jerusalem issues on Jerusalem Day. So I'm very excited for a short but powerful trip in the United States. And at the same time, there is uh, in-progress filming that's going to be happening with some very important people, uh, and they're going to be filming about the Israel Biblical Highway, the Route 60 project that I helped create, which is a vision of Route 60 being the place where seven holy cities are found, Shechem, Shiloh, Beit El, Yerushalayim in the middle, Beit Lechem, Hebron, Be'er Sheva, and this heritage highway being renamed and, and recognized as, indeed, uh, what it is, which is the Biblical Heritage Highway. So very busy with that stuff. Not to mention, hopefully, putting in a new Aron Kodesh into the tomb of Ruth Ve'ishai. So very exciting stuff and uh, very busy stuff, definitely, in, in, in this time. Uh, so it's been, it hasn't been first priority for me to, to find guests for the show. It's just, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I got to get to recording. But don't take that personally. There's a lot of love for you, but building Eretz Yisrael is the mitzvah of our time, I think. At the same time, another mitzvah that can never leave us no matter what situation we have in this world, and that is learning Torah and teaching Torah and sharing Torah. So I want to talk about something that I skipped over last week for Parshat Amor. And the good news is that I could go backwards in time for Israeli Jews, but it's actually just in time for people outside of the land of Israel. It's a Torah portion of Amor because right now, our reading is uh, not at the same time. We have a difference of one Torah portion. That'll get fixed up later on towards the summer. But I want to talk about something that I didn't get a chance to talk about last week, and that's and I've been thinking about, all, I thought about all last week and still thinking about it now, and that is the section in the Torah about the blasphemer, the blasphemer. And I keep thinking about the blasphemer. And the story goes that basically after we had Torah portion after Torah portion, we have Acharimot and Kedoshim, and before that, all the Torah portions about the tabernacle, and we have the civil laws and the civic laws and the holiness laws and family life laws and all these things, and Levite and Kohen laws. The whole book is named, indeed, the Leviticus, the Torah Kohanim. Suddenly we have this story, and the story is like, it's placed there, it's out of nowhere. And the book of Vayikra really has very few narratives. It's mostly not narratives. One of the famous narratives is the death of the sons of Aaron. And so that's one of the 
stories that goes follows you. There's more than one Torah portion that talks about that and, and what what comes after that and what laws we learn from it. And here comes another story, and it's whoa. We just shifted into a narrative gear, and so it's been, I've been thinking a lot about it. And it's about the blasphemer, and it says that ish Let's start it correctly. We're in the chapter of twenty four. Book of Leviticus, chapter, uh, verse 10. Chapter 24, verse 10. Vaitzeh ben Ishai Israelit, a man who is a, the son of an Israelite woman, v'hu ben Ish Mitzri, he is the son of an Egyptian man, betoch b'nei Israel. He went out and he was within the children of Israel. Rashi says that we learned that he converted, meaning to say he's actually the son of a Jewish woman, what does that mean? If he was already Jewish, so it's, he fully became Israeli, even though his father was an Egyptian. But where does that? How did that happen? And how, how did it happen? There was a, a Jewish mom and Egyptian dad, and the sages are there to see. They they jump in and say, "You see, this is the only one." The Jewish people stayed away from intermarriage. Here was one situation where they did intermarry. Any case, so Vehu Ben Ishmitzri is the son of an Egyptian, Betoch Bnei Israel, within the children of Israel, Vayinatsu Bamachane. However, he they fought in the camp, Ben Israelit, Veish Haisraeli. So the son of the Israelite woman and the man that is Israelite. Well, we didn't hear anything about it. Where did this come from? And so, okay, so there's a fight. Right there's a fight. There's a fight between these two gentlemen and Vaikov ben Israelit et Hashem. That this son of the Israelite woman, he either spoke or see that's a problem. It doesn't exactly translate. He pierced the name, the name of God. It doesn't say the name of God. It says the name Vaikalel, and he cursed. They brought him to Moses. V'shem imo, and the name of his mother, Shlomit bat Divri lematedan. And they, they give her name, Shlomit, daughter of Divri, and to, to the tribe of Dan. And we'll see in a minute that they have to ask God what indeed is to be done with such a person, and he's going to be put to death. But what really happened? What is this fight all about? It's really very interesting. And there are at least... Three different reasons given for why he blasphemed was the blasphemer. Now, Rashi tells the stories, the various stories that the sages and the Midrashim talk about. So the first one is that he made fun of God in the previous section. This is brought, this Torah portion, this section is connected to a different section about the showbread. And the showbread was was displayed for a whole week. And only after it was done being displayed for a whole week would it be given to the Kohanim. So this man, this son of an Egyptian man and an Israelite woman, mocked God and said, usually people like to eat, the kings like to eat fresh things. Why, why is your best people who represent God eating week old bread? And he's making fun of God. And so that was like the first type of clue we get into his persona. Instead of believing in God and thinking that he knows what he's doing. And indeed the bread, one of the miracles was that the bread stayed fresh. No, he's making fun of it. 
So that's one line of thinking about what he thought. The other one is that, let me find it here. The other one is that, and this one is the, the more central line of what people think he cursed about, and that is that he was trying to find his place to pitch his tent. And when he was pitching this tent, he went to the tribe of Dan because he's from Dan. And he went to, because his mother's from Dan. So he went to pitch his tent. And some guy, this Israelite guy, was like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be pitching your tent here. This is the tribe of Dan. And he's, I'm from Dan. And he's, no, the verse says that it has to be from the father where the tribal dispensation is, the, the, the tribal allotment is. So that's the man who fought against him. And what happened was, is that this man told him what the verse was. And he went to Moses and brought his case before Moses and was like, I'm from the tribe of Dan. And Moses did not agree with his opinion, but agreed with the Israelite man opinion that he was not from the tribe of Dan and that he did not belong there. And then he came out of the tent of judgment, that judgment fell against him, and he cursed the name of God. So that's option number two. So it's either he made fun of God and was thinking like, oh, this God's so silly. And he a little bit reminds me of the snake in the Garden of Eden, who's like, no, God doesn't know what he's talking about, or he's not telling you the truth. That's one option. Another one is that he feels slighted, rejected. And remember, he's the son of an Egyptian man, and he is different all his life. And the third one is very shocking. The third one is, uh, the sages say, who was his father? His father was the taskmaster who was murdering a Jew, and Moses killed. And so there was already a tension between uh, him and Moses. Did he know that? So some people say that he only found out when he went into Moses' tent, when he came out, people were like, you know what? Moses was the one that killed your dad also. And at that moment, he cursed the name of God. There's yet one more twist here, and that last twist is that according to, if you go back to the book of, of Exodus and you see how Moses killed this Egyptian, it says that he killed him, but it doesn't say that he hit him. It just says that he killed him. And well, actually, it does say, it says, Vayachet HaMitzri, he hit, he, I'm sorry, he hit the Egyptian, but what the, it's explained that the very next day when the Jews see Moses, they say, are you going to, have you, are you speaking or are you thinking, but the word is to speak, are you speaking to, to kill me like you killed the last guy? So that the, the sages say, you see, the thing is that he killed the Egyptian with the name of God. He spoke it. So did, did you, are you speaking or thinking to kill me like you killed him yesterday Oh, you killed him with speech. So the twist here is, right, that when he heard, that this blasphemer heard that Moses killed his father with the name of God, then he cursed the name of God. He cursed the name of God, which killed his father. All three of these tales of what the blasphemer was thinking are all really one, which is a lack of faith in God's justice. The first one is that the bread, that's a dumb way to do it. I don't believe that God knows what he's doing when it comes to this. And the second one is 
I don't belong in the tribe of Don. Who are they to tell me that I don't belong in the tribe of Don? The critique of the blasphemer is, why couldn't you say, okay, so I don't belong in the tribe of Don, but I'm sure God wanted me to be born. In, God wanted me to be born in this world, and He put give me a gave me a role, and so I believe that God knows what's best for me. And I believe that Moses knows what's best for me. And let me ask Moses, not just in judgment, let me ask him his advice. Where should I put my tent? Where should it be with the Levites? Because can, can I just park my tent in the Beit Midrash in the house of study and become a Talmud Chacham, a, a great Torah scholar? Like Because even a mamzer, even somebody who's a bastard, according to Jewish law, can become a Torah sage. So let me find my place. Like If God doesn't want me, if God created me like this in this story, and I'm not from this tribe, then let me find my tribe. And you know what? Maybe it's not even with the Jews, but let me live a life. Let me be alive. Let me thank God for this great life. But no, he cursed God instead. He did not appreciate it. And think about now, all of us are born with some limitations, right? All of us are born with bad hair or bad teeth or bad eyes or all the challenges that we're born with, with financial, family, health, all the issues that, that, that are out there. You could also curse God, right? And it, of course, shows a lack of faith. And, and we pray to Hashem not to test us because we're weak. But still, if we are tested, we are, we are meant to have emunah, faith in Hashem. And this person, the blasphemer, certainly did not. And with also the last one, which is Moses killed my father or Moses killed my father using the name of God. So... Moses, this ultimate judge who tries to bring down godly judgment, use the name of God to kill my father? Is there justice in that? I want to believe that there is justice in that because I believe in God. And I'm yes, I'm an Egyptian. I'm son of an Egyptian taskmaster, but I'm also a son of an Israelite woman. Is there a part of me that, that can really find peace with that judgment and accept it? No. In all the cases, he curses the name of God. That's the bottom line. He curses the name of God. And he, he, there's, it, 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 there's an explanation that I saw that he also pierced the name of God and cursed the name of God. Like, God, God be darned, that type of thing. And he took, up, uh, he took God's name, wrote it, and pierced it. Because it says Vaikov, which is from the word piercing. He pierced it. He really went out of his way to, to make it clear what his belief in God is. The blasphemer is, then it says that they put him in protective custody. Some explain to protect, to protect himself from himself because, and think about it, if a person is willing to curse the name of God, that person could also easily be suicidal because they're not trying to protect the godly image that's within themselves. So they very well may be needing of not to hurt themselves. The other explanation is that Moses did not want to render judgment on his own so that people wouldn't say, oh, you killed the father and you also killed this guy and you're out against this family and you're trying to erase the name of this family. The last thought that I have to add into this whole mix is that right after we finished the story of the blasphemer, and they say, take out the blasphemer outside of the tent, outside, excuse me, outside of the camp. And all those who heard, may they put their hands on him, 
על ראשו, on his head, ורגמו אותו כל העדה. And they will stone him. Everybody, will, everybody shall stone him. Right? And they have to put their hands on his head. He becomes like a type of korban. He becomes like a kind of like... <laughs> it's like such a deep thought here. It's like they, they make him into this thing that the blasphemer, what he does is he empties God's name. He, he, he desecrates God's name. And they turn him into a kind of like... A kind of korban of all of our desecrations because we desecrate God's name all the time. And I want to enunciate a principle here, which is a very tricky principle, which is, I learned this throughout life so far, is that when you are a candidate for Kiddush Hashem, for sanctification for God's, of God's name, you are imedi- immediately a candidate for desecration of God's name. That's just the way it is. When you're, when, the more you go up there, the more you can fall. I'll give, you, I'll give you a great example. You know, in Gush Katif, in Gaza, where the Jewish communities were, there was this beautiful yeshiva building that was shaped like a Jewish star. And for many years, it was a beautiful sanctification of God's name. The yeshiva of Gush Katif, of Gaza, there it is. And you could see it, the Jewish star. But when Gaza was given away to the enemies of Israel in the so-called disengagement, and that building became cracked and destro- emptied of Jews, emptied of its Torah, and then cracked and destroyed, that picture of a cracked, broken yeshiva of the star, made in the shape of the Star of David became a, a, a desecration of God's name. The final point that I wanted to make here is that, oh, so we desecrate, right, that's it, this, we desecrate God's name all the time in all kinds of ways. In the state of Israel, when it is weak and allows our enemies to, to put the flag of Palestine on the Temple Mount, That's a desecration of God's name. That's a desecration of the gift of the Six-Day War. And there's a lot of pain with the desecration of God's name that we're living with right now. Because sadly, the state of Israel, on the one hand, sanctification of God's name, that it even exists, and that we've been ingathered, and yet when it behaves with weakness and allows the enemies of Israel to trample our holy places instead of us trampling their holy places, right? Because it says in the Torah, you got to trample the high places of the of the avodah zarah of the of the idolatry, but you know you're letting it be done to you. Well, that's a desecration of God's name, and so that's a painful thing. And so here, I like to think that maybe when they put their hands on his head, really when we put the hand on on the blasphemer, we're really saying. We're all, we, when we put the hands on the head of a korban, of a sacrifice, of an offering, we usually speak out our sins. We usually do a vidui when we testify to all of our own sins, and then we give that offering. So why would they put their hands on this man's head? Maybe they're saying, you know what? He really blasphemed out loud. But we do it in our own way every single day, and so therefore let him be a korban for all of us, uh, all of us blasphemers. All of us who allow blasphemy of God's good name. And very finally, right afterwards, and this came to me just now, that immediately afterwards it says, uh, The person who speaks the name of God shall be, uh, you know, in vain or in blasphemy, shall be put to death. And then it says, uh, And then it says, and then it says the famous lines. It says, it says, it's 
basically starts this list that's very famous. Shever tachat shever. Break for a break. Ein tachat ein. Eye for an eye. Shen tachat shen. A tooth for a tooth. Kasher iten mum badam kenyin bo. As a person does to another, so too shall be done to him. Famously, Gandhi said, you know, an eye for an eye will only make the world go blind. How foolish that remark is, I always think. Because what it really means is that there is a godly justice system. And my father said, we're supposed to do justice. Not take eye for an eye, but take monetary recompense for an eye. But do that. Make sure that you administer justice. For if you don't, I created a universe that it administers justice. If you don't take the reins to administer justice in this world, the universe, God's God's all-seeing eye, all-seeing justice, not a, not a blind justice, a very, very open eye justice, will take an eye for an eye. And I, I think that there's something to that there was also in the story of the blasphemer an eye for an eye. Moses saw this Egyptian's, uh, this, this, this uh, son's, his son, the, the father, striking a Jew, murdering him, and he used the name of God to administer justice. And then this son, in some way, is a, um, is a Gilgul, a, a uh, um, what's it called, reincarnation. And what did he do? He took the name of God. The name of God killed him again. It went again. He 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 did it in front of the next generation, right? Where 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 the name of God that was spoken took him out, took him out of this world. And so there was a, a there was an eye for an eye. There was a, there was a kind of continuation uh, of that same a uh, same narrative. And it goes one step further. <laughs> I know it, this this is a, this is an amazing tale. And I I just that's why I keep thinking about this. Um, is that if you go back to the original Moses story with Moses and the Egyptian, it says, uh, He turned this way and that way and saw that there was, no, there was no person. One of the explanations is that he looked through his generations, where he came from and where he was going, and he saw that there was no person. There was, no, there was, no, there was nothing, there was no value. And yet he still engaged this young man. Uh, and... And, and what came out of him was not a man of value, a man that devalued the name of God. At the same time, I wonder if indeed the story is not the, the reason that he, that he cursed, was not for the first reason, which is, uh, which is you know, just to make fun of God or because he wanted to get back at revenge for what happened to his father, but really for the reason that he didn't feel that it was, that it was right for him not to have a, a, a place in the tribal allocation within the tribe of Dan, I wonder, though, uh, like uh, a liberal thought comes into my mind, which says, well, maybe maybe they should have, you know, opened up the, the tent space for him. Maybe he, they should have made a little bit more room for him. Maybe he would have been more at peace. Um, or is it that this kind of person could never find inner peace because he only finds his peace from others, and when others don't comport to, to exactly what he needs, then he finds a way to curse them all. Um, his father was a man who had a very set place in society and kept everybody in line. And the minute that this son didn't find his place in society, he cursed the name of God. An eye for an eye is a deep faith in God. It's a belief that there is a justice in this world. 
and that there's an all-seeing God who, if you do an evil thing, it will be done to you because that's the way God created the world in the system of, of, of exact justice. Uh, cursing the name of God is the belief that there is no God or there is no value to God and there is no seeing eye, and he pierced it instead of honoring it and, and seeing it and believing that God's justice will take us uh, in the correct paths in this world. I want to add one more word about, uh, uh, about I, God's seeing eye. I'm certain that the murderers that have been murdering Jews, uh, including the horrific murders that happened in Elad, the murderers have been captured uh, and they'll be brought to justice. Uh, and God's justice is everywhere for sure. At the same time, he really does expect us to rule the world in justice and not allow our country to fall into another important city that's in our country, which is Sodom. Do not fall into Sodom-like legal regimes. Do not allow the evil to be part of our country that destroys societies. That's the opposite of Jewish eternity. And so, yes, there is God's eternal truth and justice. But sometimes that justice means to overturn Sodom. Let's not go there. That's not what God wants from us. God wants to us uh, wants from us to administer justice and to create a society of justice. And so he, yes, he's the ultimate justice, but he expects us to take every step to make this world into the kind of place that God wants to see, God would be proud of, and God wants us to create. Of course, in his image, of course, with his strength, but he wants us to lead out there to create a world of truth and justice. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and I'm recording here at night. Uh, it's kind of late, and I was going to have Malk on the show, but alas, she has fallen asleep. Baruch Hashem, and God bless uh, her, and God bless all of you out there for good sleeps and good and good thoughts and good dreams. And as we say, Hasidic Shechaloimus, may you have Hasidic dreams, Hasidic dreams, Shagal dreams, if you will. Um, I do want to talk about one other thing today, and I just want to say the following. about Well, before I get to the, the other big topic that I wanted to talk about today, I want to talk about one more thing, which it... No. You see, I'm tired also. It's late at night here. <laughs> it's late at night. It's been very, very busy. It's been a long, long day. Uh, but I do want to uh, talk about... Before I talk about what I want to talk about, I want to mention all the folks that make the show happen. Uh, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Yocheved... Tabitha and Lou uh, get the show out to the world. Thank you so much. Our show is sponsored by great uh, parts, great friends of our uh, uh, of our program. And first and foremost, it's Prohibition Pickle. Check out their beautiful brand new website, prohibitionpickle.co.il. It's a great website and it's great food. And I'm going to order stuff for Shabbat this Shabbat because I'm excited and I think. I think I'm probably going to stay in, although I was invited out to my uh, alma mater yeshiva, but I'm just a little overwhelmed, and I don't know if I could take uh, a Shabbat of, uh, of of kind of socializing and stuff like that. I just I think I need to take a take a break a little bit. Uh, but then the way I'm going to take that break is by ordering some prohibition pickle and having some great great uh, Jewish Jewish delicious snacks, uh, including uh, what I like salamis of various kinds. And uh, I'll have it uh, with a little bit of vodka, but there's also great pickles and there's great herring and there's great Shabbat uh, packages. It's like you just get a package all in one. You get a Shabbat in a box. Check that out, prohibitionpickle.co.il. 
Uh, check out the Israel Bible, which is a, a great product. Uh, it's a, a Bible uh, with translation to English, with transliteration of, of great verses, and with uh, um, commentary specifically about the land of Israel. And I do want to also... Uh, oh, so how do you get that Bible? You go to theisraelbible.com. Uh, it's got an amazing cover as well. It's edited by my good friend Tully Weiss, Rabbi Tully Weiss. It's a, now, the editing is only on the English commentary and stuff. The rest... No, that's just God's word. We're not editing that. So don't get nervous about that. It is a full-fledged Tanakh. And I want to also thank uh, the Jewish community of Hebron. Hebronfund.org keeps the Jewish community strong, and especially now with our campaign to to rebuild the guest house, uh, the Hebron guest house. Very exciting project. Please be with us on that. Uh, What else did I want to say about... uh, folks out there. Oh, I get to meet Krista this week, one of my great coffee buyers. She bought me a cup of coffee. She's bought me a lot of cup of coffees and we sat and had real coffee. She bought me coffee through buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. And with great honor and privilege, I got to meet uh, her and, and, uh, and her daughter here in the land of Israel. Her daughter makes very cool magnets and has made some very good swag for, for Hebron. So I'm very excited about that. They brought me some some beautiful uh, so orange citrus soap uh, from where they live, and so it was great to meet them. And what a schut, what a merit it is to meet great people out there who just love God and love the Bible and love Israel and love Israel through thick and thin. So check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai, and please be my friend, buy me a cup of coffee. Yefeh, I just want to talk just for a few more minutes. <laughs> about the state of affairs of this world. Look, um, this war in Russia is a horrific thing. You know that, that the Russian army has lost more people than they lost in the many years of their Afghanistan campaign war. Uh, you know, the, the, one of their flagship battle cruisers was, was sunk, and, um, and it's a horrific war at the same time. The Ukrainians making some progress, but not also a destructive prog- progress. I heard rumors that it, that Russia is pulling its forces out of Syria in order to uh, use them in the Ukraine war, which means that more bad guys are going to take over in Syria. And just in general, the Russian Empire is is uh, the Russian thing is is really crumbling, and and the motivation is crumbling, and there's a lot of uh, corruption in in the army corps. It turns out. And Ukraine is suffering tremendously as well, and people are running, and people don't want to be part of this war, and the country's emptying out as well. So you look to 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 Russia and that whole side of things, and you just see, you know, uh, you see it faltering, and you see it uh, losing its 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 place in the hierarchy of the world. Uh, you look to um, the United States, you see. Uh, a failing of that society. There's some kind of unhealth in that society. It's it's you know I don't want to go too deep into it, but you could see it. There's 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 the really there's really um, that that wonderful that the, the wonderful aspect of America is still there, but you just see it kind of losing its its mental grip and its moral grip, and all kinds of weird stories come out all the time. And you're just like, this country is in the throw of some kind of like. Now could it could it get back on? Could it heal itself? It might. Yeah, it might indeed. It has that inside of itself. But still, though, it seems to be shrinking. And this is my analysis of of all empires is that they just, they tend to just shrink back to their 
more natural boundaries. And there's, a, there's forces at play to weaken America very much. Some of my friends uh, welcome that in the sense that they, you know, uh, you know, want to see Israel less dependent on America. And other friends of mine are like very concerned about that because there's no moral compass in this world. China is doing China stuff, but you know, you think to yourself, okay, how much can materialism and and communism and control, like like, okay, how much could that, you know, uh, how much could that really lead the world? You know, it, it's got to have some kind of crisis inside at some point because it's like. And COVID has been a crisis indeed like that for them. And you see the jihadi elements in the world kind of rising up and, uh, and, and raising their head. And you see anti-Israelism just everywhere. And you, just, you look at the world and you're like, what is the state of affairs in this world? It's just such a, it's, 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 it's off kilter of the world. It's, uh, it's not in a healthy state, it seems. And there's many other, you know, weird phenomena out there and, Please excuse me, I told you how late it is around here, and I hope I don't cause you to yawn. It's just late, and it's been a, a crazy week. And I can tell you what how I've been thinking about things for myself, which is just like, just do what you can. I think that my government today is a government I'm not proud of. I'm oftentimes feeling ashamed when I see video. There was a video today of of a, of an Arab riot and girls coming out of their car and hiding their Israeli flags. S- uh, the the ones that are in the car so they don't get, you know, stoned by the the Arab rioters. And you see I see videos of of Israeli, you know, army and police being attacked by rioters all over the place and you see, you know, horrific phrases being said by pro-Palestinian rallies in California and Michigan. I saw a horrible rally and really calling for the destruction of Israel altogether. Uh, and the overthrow of Israel, and there's just a lot of moments where where I'm you know where you see that they capture terror you know Israeli Israeli forces capture terrorists and they're giving them cigarettes and Islamic prayer books and stuff like that and they're like they're showing they're like how kind they are to to these terrorists and they return their bodies to their mothers and they make giant you know funerals for them and you know I wouldn't do that I I would throw a, a terrorist who tried to kill Jews I would throw their body into the sea. And and uh, let it be known that uh, there's there's no honorable end for somebody who tries to kill a Jew in this land. Uh, and you see the lack of assertiveness uh, and the lack of biblical consciousness uh, within Israel. Uh, and it's it's easy to get despondent. But I altogether, when I look at the world, I'm like, there is something happening here. And it just has to be that we're we're on the way up, even though if it doesn't feel that way right now. It's just got to be that Israel's on the way up. I just, I just, I just, it's just not, it's not here to, it's not here to fall back asleep. It's not here, even though, even though oftentimes I feel like Israel is, is, is a, is a thing that wants to go back to the ghetto. It wants to go back to the galut. It wants to go back to exile. It, it acts exilically. It acts like a, like an occupier, not a sovereign. It acts like a, a foreigner and not a native. Um, that's it. And so uh, that that is even even though even though I, I I'm oftentimes just on a, on, a, on a kind of like the you know like you just want to be like you just more more than anything you just get ashamed you just get ashamed I I, I, I am ashamed when I see Israeli women afraid of walking the streets of, of our of our fair country I am ashamed that that the, the Arabs uh, walk around in total freedom fearlessly. 
and uh, and when wealth that they gain from this country and yet and we're afraid of them and yet in the media the world media it's portrayed that they're afraid of us and we're the the badgerers it's 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 shameful uh it's embarrassing uh, and when I see that, uh, you know, our, our prime minister succumbs to, uh, you know, more Jordanian waqf to uh, monitor the Temple Mount instead of more Jewish freedoms. When I see what's happening and the land takeovers and all that, it can really, it can really be, uh, it can really break you. And I know people have been broken. Uh, but, uh, but with the help of Hashem, we will see the amazing people of Israel rise up. We'll see the, this country turn it around we'll see uh, evil forces be excised and we'll see a new spirit in this land i believe in it i believe in it i believe in it in my heart uh that that from the, even the bottom we'll see an amazing turnaround and we just have to be there as part of it we just have to be in the game i want to wish you lots of blessings from the land of blessings i want to wish you um hatzlacha and I, I need to give you the bracha of fearlessness, of nitzachon, of netzach. Just yesterday was netzach sheba netzach, which is victory that is within victory. And uh, Hashem is with us. Hashem is with us. And Hashem, please protect us. And Hashem, please don't allow, don't allow children to bury their fathers anymore or their mothers. Don't, don't, don't let those scenes come around again. This is not Kishinev. This is Eretz Yisrael. We're back here. Don't cook a kid in its mother's milk in the sense that the mother is Eretz Yisrael, and it's not here to cook us in its milk. It's here to feed us the milk so that we can grow and flourish in this land. Hashem, please help us overcome all of the, all of the, um, all of those forces. Don't, don't let this, uh, don't let us go in this way of folly anymore. Give us, give us more consciousness. We need, give us a boost. Give us, we need a booster. We need, a, we need a booster shot here, a shot of emunah, of faith, and avat Hashem, a love of God, and a love of this great time, and a love of Eretz Yisrael, and a love of your Torah. Give us that strength. And thank you, everybody, for being with me. Uh, not so far away from me right now is Malka Fleischer. She is sleeping. <laughs> so let's wish her, I wish her a good sleep. I was looking forward to having her on the show. But alas, uh, I had to monologue. Uh, I'll be heading out uh, in about a week and a half for really a short amount of time in California uh, and uh, just popping around from place to place. And then I'll be uh, for Yom Yerushalayim in the New York area. If you're in the New York, New Jersey area and you're desperate to have me for Yom Yerushalayim Shabbat, then write me an email because it's still a little bit open. So Yishai at YishaiFleischer.com. Again, I want to thank Moshe Herman, Ben Breski, and Yechavid, and Tabitha, and Lou for getting the show out to the world, the Land of Israel Network. I want to wish a humongous and unbelievable, insane Mazal Tov to my good friend Arya Bramwitz for the birth of his son. And the joy is just unbridled. It's something matok, 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 bli ayin hara with the help of God. Thank you, Hashem, for that gift as well. I want to pray for everybody to find their, their loved one, have those children, raise them right, and, and may Hashem bless you in all of your paths and ways. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned. Stay calm. Stay protected. Stay beloved. Stay part of the story. Please tune in to uh, God's broadcast. He's broadcasting 24-7. All we have to do is tune in. And lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. And shalom.
Hey everybody, this is Jeremy Gimpel. Have you heard about the Land of Israel Fellowship? People from all over the world, 24 countries, have joined. We meet live every Sunday, and the video session is recorded and then broadcast to all the members. And it's an exclusive group. It's a group that's focused on learning. We're focused on praying together. We're focused on growing together. And it has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And we have people from New Zealand to Australia, Alaska, Hawaii, Hong Kong, Jews, Christians. We have a Buddhist. We have one Muslim that's joined. We have people from so many different backgrounds, languages, and cultures. And we are literally creating a virtual house of prayer for all nations. And it is truly marvelous. And so if you want more information about that, please visit www.thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. And I would love to see you next Sunday.